if you listen to enough of this podcast, you might be concerned that we're approaching a major collapse of governments, financial markets, or even the Western developed world in its entirety. So when the revolution comes, do you want to be out of shape and unable to defend yourself? Or do you want to be fighting fit? Why not try Fight Camp? Fight Camp is interactive at-home boxing. They bring the best workout in the world into your home and make it fun. Explore thousands of workouts led by expert trainers with decades of experience teaching proper boxing form and technique. Fight Camp has live punch counting stats that motivate you by counting every punch throughout your workout and pushing you to meet goals every single round. As you progress, you'll unlock achievements and can go head-to-head against other members, whether they're across the country or across your living room. One of the best things about Fight Camp is that it makes boxing accessible to everyone, no matter what fitness level you're at, what your age is, or what your experience with boxing is, you can do it. And you're going to have a great time as well. So join the biggest boxing community in the world without ever leaving your home. Fight Camp packages start at just $99. They either offer some great financing options, so you can get started for just $9 a month. To get everything you need, go to fightcamp.com forward slash chatter to learn more. That's fightcamp.com forward slash chatter. C-H-A-T-T-E-R. Brilliant. So, um, hello everyone. Welcome to another episode of Chatter. Today I am here with Dan King Bingo on Twitter, um, and the YouTube channel's name is Haha. Let me forget. Dissident Factor. That's the one. So, uh, yeah, Dan. Thanks. Uh, thanks very much for coming on the show. Uh, you are, yeah, described as a former venture capitalist focused on emerging technologies and digital trends, who now mines Bitcoin and podcasts about the end of the financial system. So that was enough to intrigue me into wanting to get you on the show. So so welcome, man. Well, thanks very much, and thanks for the invite, yeah. Yeah, no problem. I mean, uh, it seems that we are interested in a lot of the same kind of things. So uh, I guess the first real question I have for you is, is what, what turned you from a venture capitalist into a bitcoiner and a podcaster like was there something like specific that happened like a big catalyst yeah i mean it was it was partially accidental so i spent about 20 years working in this city well actually i started off as a, as a bit of a political apparatchik i started off working um with the tories and i worked on the patillo campaign um whenever that was about about 20 oh, wow. odd years ago okay now had that have been successful i probably would have ended up doing the whole politics routine i'd probably be a a, a toy mp now and i, I know lots <laughs> of people who are uh, i'm glad that it didn't come to that because of <laughs> because of my my opinions on on politics now uh but no that that didn't work so then i went into the city i spent about 20 years there and the way it works with venture capital funds is typically you raise money uh for a fund and that fund lasts for about 10 years so it was it was actually at the point where the fund that i was working on was 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 beginning to wrap up it was very close to wrapping up um, I didn't want to continue with the with the rollover that they were doing because they were moving in a different direction to the kind of thing that I wanted to do. So so I naturally stepped away at that point because I had two small children. Um, and actually, I wanted to spend a little bit more time with them because I, I'd, I'd barely seen them. Then um, that was that was just before uh, lockdowns and then lockdowns happened. And that was, um, you know, that was weird. And I didn't really want to be rushing back into something while that was going on. Um and and that sort of you know that, that sort of was a sort of a bit of a natural break point right and then we had lockdowns um it and it sort of pushed me from being essentially a, a sort of a mainstream guy into being somebody who was so utterly disgusted with the political system and what i saw and what they felt was their rights uh, to take away our rights and our freedoms um, and, and actually, this has been building for a while because, I mean, I, I was I was pretty upset with the way that um, 2008 went down. Um, but back then, I think I fell into the trap that a lot of people fell into, which is, um, OK, bad decisions were made. All we need to do is we need to change the people in charge. We just need to get better people. You know, instead of that group of faces over there with the, with a the whatever color rosette, get those people over there with that color rosette or, 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 or shuffle the leadership around within it. And that will make everything better. Um, and, and really, by the time um, I got to um, by that lockdown period, I realized that, you know, actually, it's the system itself, which is fundamentally flawed. So, yeah, that's a long answer to why I'm, I'm sort of out of it now. Um, uh, but but I'm, I'm deeply concerned about the way that, you know, we're headed. Um, and especially when you have young children as well, I think that um, and we get into this, I think that um, the 20s are going to be a very tumultuous period. 
um and there is going to be yeah there, there is there's going to be reform on the other side of it and it is essential that we that we go into that period of reform after this period of crisis with the right understandings and the right uh, assumptions mm. because if we take the wrong assumptions into it we're going to end up with something that we, which we don't want to see for the future yeah yeah i think you're uh that's probably the understatement of the century about how it's going to get a bit wild in the next 10 years like this uh, all building towards 2030 and uh, our complete demise <laughs> but that's nice that you're optimistic at least like the, that you feel that there will be reform that's good because a lot of people i speak to are far more pessimistic than that um and and like honestly sometimes i'm i'm like optimistic and i think yeah you know there, there's there's enough people with a very similar story to yourself where you sort of 2008 like made you quite skeptical of the system and then by the time that lockdowns rolled around and and the the <laughs> the disastrous economic policy that that monetary policy that that resulted from from the lockdowns and the need to pay for things when we weren't making anything mm. uh, is it, it baffles me that that no one saw this shit coming with the inflation and wow. the debasing of the currency <laughs> but like right okay so obviously people saw it coming right on the mm. internet people saw it coming anyone like i remember my my weimar germany history lessons like that shit didn't leave me right and you you've been in that world a little bit in the the venture capital like finance world in in amongst maybe some of these like higher up politicians especially in the conservative party like do were they aware of what they were doing are they are they just stupid or are they willfully ignorant or, or, or were they just pretending like it was all going to work out fine? Like, what do you think? Yeah, I, th I think they're so deep in the system that they cannot imagine an alternative to the system. So, um, look, there's a couple of points there. Let's, let's just go back on the optimism one. I mean, normally people, when they listen to me, they think that um, I'm, I'm thoroughly unoptimistic. You know, to be clear, I think that the, the, the next decade, the 2020s, is going to be a period of absolute crisis. And then we have the opportunity to reform uh, having come out the other side of it. But we are nowhere near that point. So, yes, optimistic that there could be a better future. But, you know, we, we're going to have to go through a hell of a lot of disruption because people simply cannot see outside of the bubble that they're currently operating. I think the vast majority of people that you speak to in your life, um, they're going to be, they, they are still in the narrative where it is going to be, you know, you change your faces and everything will change. I'm sort of reminded of that film. I think it's called uh, 50 First Dates. Mm-hmm. Where yeah. every morning this girl wakes up and she 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 basically forgets her entire life. Every day is a new day for her. You know that's basically our political system at the moment. Every time we change the prime minister or we change the political party, everybody thinks that the whole game resets and that all options are now on the table. That's not really what's going on. Is that you know uh, that the game is in checkmate um, and we can change the player, but the new player that sits down is still in checkmate and that comes out the other side. Okay. Now getting on to your point about the economists and, and the people who saw it coming. The problem is there are economics is not like physics. So in physics, you can control all the variables. You can run an experiment and you can see what happens mm -hmm. with politics and economics. You, you don't do that. You can only ever, you can only ever try and draw lessons from history. And then it's incredibly arguable as to which way it went. Hmm. Um, and, and, and to oversimplify, there are effectively two schools in economics. One is the, the mainstream one, which I'm very much not a part of. Um, and then there's the sort of the non-mainstream ones. One of the, one of the bigger schools in the non-mainstream ones would be the Austrian economists that you know I, I would uh, ascribe myself to. And we very much did see these things coming because we look at things like money and debt. The problem is, is that if you have that mindset where you think about things like money and debt and the level of government spending and the way that that debt is going up, inevitably it draws you to the conclusion that, that actually government needs to spend less. Now, by definition, those type of thinkers are not welcome in government. So those type of economists do not get jobs in governments. They don't get promoted. They don't end up running, you know, departments and so on. The other kind do. The kind that think that it's all about demand. But, they, you know, you just need to stimulate. You just need to encourage people to go out and spend. You just need to sort of, you know, put, put the offer out there. And the economy will grow on the back of that because their natural conclusion is always that you need to increase the size of government. You need to always spend more. You need to make people go out and you know spend. Don't don't save. 
give people an incentive to go out there. I mean, you even hear ideas like we should put expiry notes on banknotes so that your money will literally disappear if you haven't rushed out and spend it. Wait, that's a real but, thing? Someone's suggesting that? <laughs> I, I, I have heard I have heard people seriously suggest it, and, and it's 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 making a comeback now with the with the thinking around central bank digital currencies, because that would actually give you the ability to, you know, pay money into a bank account on Monday and, and make it disappear on Sunday if you haven't spent it. But if, if you come from the mindset where it's, it's all about stimulating demand, you'll come to that. So those are the people that end up in the senior positions in government. Um, and that's why they can't see this stuff coming, because their, 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 their mental tool set does not allow them to effectively. Hmm. OK, I mean, so like uh, actually in quite uh, fit, fits quite nicely, actually, here, this uh, this story that I saw um, this week. Uh, so hang on, let me just pull this up so people can see it. So it is the announcement that former Federal Reserve Chairman Ben Bernanke has won the Nobel Prize in economics. Yeah. That, to me, is the biggest joke I think I have ever seen. I, I, I cannot believe that this man, the, like literally the, the person who kicked off all the insane money printing in 2009, 2008, 2009, mm. he is the man getting like as we see our, our financial system like the fiat money system like reach this like it, it feels like we're at the end it feels like we're like you know witnessing the going out of the going out of business say <laughs> as they just print and print and print and they tried to taper it off numerous times and every single time it takes about a week and then they just reverse the decision like so, I mean, so that's an interesting question. I mean, who, who do we blame for this? And, it, and yeah. it's always easy to point to individuals, and we can say that um, you know Ben Bernanke kicked it off, um, and, and yeah, he he deserves blame. And actually, more recently, we've been having the discussion here in the UK. It's um, you know, uh, it's, it's about the mini budget and about the actions that Liz Truss took. Now, you know, let me be very clear. I am I am absolutely no fan of the political system um, and, and the established politicians. My view is actually that every single politician that voted for lockdown should be jailed for what they did. So be, be, be clear that I am not in favour of, of, of any of these people. Mm-hmm. However, when I hear um, the media and commentators sort of jumping on Liz Truss and saying that it's all her fault that, um, you know, the the current period of, of tumult because she she cut some taxes. Mm. Look, the, pro- the, the problem is, is the UK national debt is 2.3 trillion. With her tax cut, she was looking to add about 45 trillion a year to that. So does she deserve blame? Yes. But don't forget, you know, the other 98% of, of, of the debt. You know, that, that has been accumulated over the sort of the past decades. Mm. And and the problem is, is that, you know, we, we like I said, it's like the 51st Dates film. We keep on resetting our memory every time a new person comes in. But actually the system that we've got to is is this. Now, and then you go on to the, the, the thinking about, okay, well, well, who's to blame for that? Why did we get here? Is, is it our politicians' fault? Because, you know, you have not had the opportunity, certain, well, in basically any part of the Western world, to vote for politicians who want to reduce government spending. You know, even um, even the period of um, so-called austerity that we had after, um, well, there was a change of government from from Labour to, to Conservative, um, and and Labour, yes, they did rack up the debt like all governments do, um, and then we sort of had this story about austerity. Government spending never actually went down; it just did not increase um, at the rate that it had been previously scheduled to increase. So government spending always increases. So you know, if so, I used to think um, that the that voting for for right wing politicians was the right way to do this because they would they would be likely to bring down um, government spending and, and solve its underlying issues. But that's not possible to do because all of them increase this 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 problem that we've got. You know, and where we've got to now is you know why why did we have that quantitative easing that you referred to? Well, the reason we have quantitative easing is because there's too much debt and nobody wants to buy it. <laughs> So the banks, the, the central bank has to has to step in and, and buy it as well, and and we're almost certainly going to get the um, the sibling of quantitative easing. Well, we've got it now in the UK. It's it's effectively a form of yield control, where the central bank comes in and says, okay, we're going to cap guilt yields at a certain level, and we're going to continue to buy. It's because there's too much debt. Now, at some point, we're going to have to have the conversation about how are we going to get out of this debt. Um, and and that's why I sound really pessimistic because there are only a few options, and all of them are bad. Um, I'll, I'll lay them out if you like, but I mean, yeah, actually, maybe I, maybe that'd be good because yeah. I think I have an idea of, of some of the suggestions. But like, yeah, please. Okay, so 
there's the there's the fantasy suggestion which is you don't need to worry about the debt because we will just magically grow our way out of it mm. the the economy does have a sort of trend rate of growth and the problem is is that debt has been increasing beyond that level so if you were to increase um debt in line with the natural rate of of productivity increase um you wouldn't really have an issue then then debt would serve a useful function and and debt does is effectively a useful thing if if you're a farmer and you spend i don't know 100 grand on a combine harvester and that increases your profitability by 20 20 grand a year or whatever you know you can do the calculation you can work it out mm-hmm. what we've been doing though is we've been borrowing money not for productive purposes but for basically to maintain current spending so we can go out and you know have nice meals and buy buy TVs and so on so the idea that we could go out and you know just just grow our way out of it when we are increasing the debt beyond that sort of natural rate that the economy increases that's not going to happen it's especially not going to happen in our current environment why is that because we're a heavily regulated heavily taxed economy which which pushes down that that um rate of, of economic growth and the other thing and some people will say it's laudable but you have to recognize the reality of it is that we are transitioning from a um a denser form of energy to a uh, a lower return form of energy so so going on to renewables now lots of people may say that that's that's laudable and that's fine but it, it is a lower return on investment energy hmm. so that again is also going to subtract from 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 the rate of growth and some people will say that that's that's worth it but still it's it's lowering growth so and we're not going to get out of growth and then in the uk you've got additional things as well such as you know i i'm i'm the sort of person who probably should go out and start a business there's no way i'm going to do it in the uk because i i now know that uh, the government can wave its hand and say that uh, you have to shut down for two years Mm. uh, and and you'll be left carrying all of the costs and we still want our taxes and we still want our rates but you know sorry you can't operate well unless i have a mcdonald's franchise then i'd be allowed to stay open because obviously they're they're in line with the health agenda you know let's say i opened a gym that would not be in line with the health agenda and therefore that's the sort of thing that could be closed down so i don't think we're going to grow our way out way out of it unless there is a fundamental change to technology Mm. okay so what's the next method which is the which is we deal with the debt um in the honest method which is we default on it (laughs) that's the honest the greek the greek method right yeah (laughs) um there's a big problem with that and and it sounds good doesn't it it sounds good we're just going to say sorry uh you don't get your money who do we owe the money to isn't ourselves technically basically everybody owes money to everybody else it's just just all over the place but the big problem is is that in our financial system we used to have a a financial system that was underpinned by gold Hmm. we now have a financial system which is underpinned by debt especially sovereign debt so a lot of the way that the banks construct their balance sheet is they own sovereign debt and then that is the collateral which they can then lend out and start doing other things and this is sort of embedded throughout the financial system so if you knock out that collateral level you've basically wiped out money because debt is money in our system so by do you want to explain that statement just a little bit for people who who maybe don't quite grasp what you mean by that yeah. So, so the way money is created is is we create debt, um, and then you know, debt spends like money. If 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 I if I borrow a hundred pounds and give it to you, you know, you, you you don't get it, and you think, well, okay, this this is debt, I can't do it. You, you know, you, you've got a hundred pounds, you can go out and spend it how you like, and and the creation of this if this debt is, I mean, if I think Ray Dalio, there's there's actually the really interesting video. If you want to stand, understand how the economy works, there's a there's a video called uh, Principles by Ray Dalio. It's about thirty minutes long. He wrote a book as well. You don't need to read the book because the video is so good. And he goes into this um, and he explains the the whole basically the whole piece of what I'm talking about now. And he and he ran the numbers on the U.S. economy, and I think this was back in 2010. And I believe what he found was that the base money was something like three trillion. And credit on top of that was another fifty trillion. So, Whoa! Yeah. Hang on a second. So, so, and and it's gone up significantly since then, of course. Yes, but but that shows why you can't pay off the debt because there isn't enough money to pay off the debt. And and it and it's actually far worse than that because unless you increase the amount of debt all of the time, you can't actually pay off the interest on the debt. So if we just stopped, if we just stopped creating debt at this point. We would start defaulting on the interest payments on the debt that we already have so that that debt would start to be destroyed the total amount of money in the system would be destroyed and therefore we would be able to pay um 
fewer of the interests on the on the loans and more money would and so basically you go into this deflationary collapse mm-hmm. so in order for our system to survive at this point the amount of debt must continue to increase all the time and because there is interest on top of that the amount of debt that you create every year must increase mm-hmm. so you must have a a permanently expanding debt bubble and if you ever stop that then the whole system goes into deflationary collapse and the system unwinds on itself right so we have to it's horrifying yeah that is horrifying (laughs) it's so basically what we have to do is reach a situation where the growth of the economy exceeds the amount of debt interest that we have to pay somehow um yes and okay good luck with that well i i have no idea how that could be achieved sex (laughs) (laughs) well actually okay yeah so so i mean that's the point okay so when I criticised this monetary system that we had, and I said it all starts to go wrong in 1971 when we left the gold standard. Yes. Um, it's not 73? 71 America? Uh, yeah, 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 yeah. Well, I, I, I tend to base everything I think around on, on the US system because the, 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 the dollar basically dominates everything, so I, I tend yeah. to think of dollars all the time. But That's yeah, right. Yeah. Um, okay, so when I start to criticise this system and I say it's, it's fundamentally flawed in the way that it's structured, you know, I then have to address, well, why did it actually work for the last 50 years? And actually, your point is is correct because you had the you had the baby boomers, which was the largest generation we'd ever seen. Because uh, that's and, the last this... time that we successfully did this, where we had monstrous amounts of sovereign debt, and mm. we were able to grow the economy beyond the size of the debt. It was slightly different in the seventies, and the, the, the debt problem they're dealing with then it was is primarily um, private debt. Mm. So you oh, I was thinking. Those... Sorry, I was thinking post World War Two, the forties. Yeah, where we 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 sort of. We were able, because so much needed to be rebuilt and invested in, that investment became incredibly uh, incredibly fruitful. And we went from, I think it was a, a national debt of 250% of GDP um, to well below 100. So I, I don't know what it eventually yeah. came down to. But but yeah, obviously that's because we made massive investment in a country that was had been bombed for, for four years. Mm. You know, there was a lot of... There was a lot of economic gains to be had there, whereas those, I don't know. Do you do you buy the arguments? Like, because because I see people argue about this, and they say that we could deal with this situation by, like the the modern monetary theory people are like, right, we need to take this ability that we have to create debt, except invest in things that will provide value to the country and the economy, and therefore it makes sense to use that ability to create money so they would say okay mm. we're going to invest in like uh, housing or hospitals or you know public transport infrastructure mm. or nuclear sites or you know some sort of other renewable energy like what do you make of that argument that we could like if we took this ability to create money and like put it to put it to use on things that were actually growing the economy and not just buying um, up like massive massive like amounts of bank of england bonds or um handing it to straight to private companies under the guise of like price controls or you know just handing it out to people for staying home and doing nothing mm. um it so, feels, so that, that yeah. yeah that would have worked that would have worked maybe 20 or 30 years ago that, that it was it was possible that maybe that would have worked but the the problem we got now is like i say the the rate of growth in debt that we need now outstrips the rate of of, of underlying productivity growth okay especially when you start to add on the energy sort of issues as well. I mean, l- let's touch on the energy issues as, as well. So, you know, in, in the news, we've heard a lot recently about um, the currency weakness. Now, in the short term, the strength of a currency is a confidence game. It's do do uh, the buyers of your currency um, believe, the, be, believe the officials and that they're credible and all that kind of stuff. That's only the short term. In the long term, the strength of your currency is a physics problem. How much do you produce? Um, you know, how, how much food, goods, services, how much energy do you produce? It's it's those basic underlying factors. Now, all of those are um, either heavily constrained or in some cases they're going flat out into reverse. So no wonder we're having these underlying weaknesses. So so to come back to your point is is can we simply grow out of it? I, I don't think that we can because the that that underlying growth does simply not match up. You know, it was it was basically decided 
well, at least 20 years ago, you, you can make arguments for longer, um, the central bankers and, and politicians wanted to see a growth rate which was above that that sort of natural growth rate. You know, they, they wanted to get elected now because the, the timescale of, of politics is very different to the timescale of our lives and the timescale of economies. And so they wanted to bring forward all of this spending. And that's the essential problem we've got now. So, you know, to, to come back to the how do you get out of it, I don't think you can grow at least not with a fundamental change in technology, something something that blindsides us. You know, if, if nuclear fusion arrives tomorrow and general artificial intelligence arrives tomorrow, yeah, may, maybe the underlying rate of, of, of growth will, will, will go and we can get out of it that way. Um, you can't you can't just default on the debt because with the system that we've got at the moment, you basically wipe out the monetary system. Now, could we replace the monetary system we have now with something in the future? Possibly, I don't think gold is going to work because it's going to. It, gold leads basically to to a large degree of, of centralization, mm. and and maybe in time, block, uh, blockchain stuff like Bitcoin could be ready. But I don't think we're there now. So 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 that's out as well. Another option is that we um, that we just pay it down honestly, mm. and that would involve um, cutting government spending in the region of of seventy percent, but maintaining taxes where they are now. Yeah, <laughs> That's how the hell happen. is that? Yeah, exactly. So, I mean, do you think you could get elected by by starting up a new political party and say, you know, my manifesto is that we're going to keep taxes where they are now, uh, and we're going to halve the size of the NHS, we're going to scrap the military. You know, maybe we have Dad's army or something or what or whatever it is. Um, we can probably keep most of the roads. We can just maintain them. And by the way, you're educating, you know, kids yourself after the age of, I don't know, 12 or whatever it is. You know, we, we do the primary, but everything else, you know, you, you, there is absolutely no way you can get elected. I'll, I'll give you a recent example of that. So the um, uh, the Tory leadership campaign, uh, you know, so, so I mean, both of them were, were basically advocating uh, more borrowing and more spending. It's just that one of them uh, was saying, I'm going to give you tax breaks now. Um, and, and she didn't really want to address the spending side because that's unpopular. And overwhelmingly, <laughs> you know, people went for, oh, just just give me the money now. Yeah, I want it right now. I want the tax cuts right now. Don't 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 worry about all the rest of it. Now, again, can you can you can you blame the public? I mean, they do they really understand that? Have they have they really been? Has someone actually sort of sat down and broken it down to them? But you know, I I sort of suspect that if you really did explain the whole picture to these people, they would. And, I, and I'm not talking about just you know the, the sixty thousand people that voted in the Tory leadership game. I think I think basically everybody does. Is everybody basically just says you know what I want more now? So yeah. it's impossible. It's impossible to get elected um, doing it that way. So then you come to uh, option four, and option four is basically you try and inflate your way out of this problem. You just carry on printing money. You you keep the system going. Yes, it will blow up eventually, but you know maybe that will be twenty years from now, and you know that will be somebody else's problem. Now, well, given yeah. given the alternatives, wiping out the monetary system, which given that the given that money is half of every transaction that occurs in the world, well, almost, um, you would basically wipe out all supply chains. So, you, uh, unless you had a, a a new monetary system, because you can't you can't operate an, uh, an economy at our size with barter. So you'd need to have a new system. And if you didn't have that in place at the same time as you collapse one financial system, you're looking at mass starvations and economic collapse. Yeah. So people aren't going to go for that. They're not going to go for keep taxes high and slash spending 70%. Um, the, the the growth thing is a fantasy. And, and so the only thing that you're left with is that we are going to have to print more money and try and keep the system going uh, and just continue to expand that debt bubble. And now what that will mean is that if you expand the amount of money, Financial assets will respond very quickly to that. So if you are a wealthy person, you tend to hold a lot of your wealth in stocks and shares and other stuff like that, or land, housing, art or whatever. If you increase the amount of money, the denomination of those things, which is basically just a fraction of the total amount of money, changes very, very quickly. And so those people will get wealthier. Mm. And the people who don't have a lot of financial assets, who are basically wage earners, wages do respond to inflation. Yeah. But never as much, slowly, and it takes years. Mm. You know, if you get a if 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 there's a big inflationary event and you get a pay rise within four years, you're doing very well. Typically, yeah. it takes longer than that, and and you will never get back the same amount. Well, don't worry uh, that I'm trying to get a pay rise soon. <laughs> well, I mean, yeah, like, good good luck with that. 
um yeah and, and and the amount of pay rise that you get you know you know even if you go to your boss and say well this is cpi well cpi is manipulated in several percentage points behind what the actual inflation rate is yeah your CPI boss isn't going to is... give you a he's not going to give you you know cpi plus three percent is he um and, and it's optimistic that the amount of, of inflation is actually cpi plus three percent he's probably it's probably even more than that well so you... yeah i moved to london right. six months ago electric has doubled uh the which does our heat as well so that's doubled my rent is up 12 and a half percent uh food is up in the like 30 to 50 percent i don't mm. understand what who, who, i don't understand what thing they're using to balance out cpi like you know how it's like you know they, they calculate it based on like a whole bunch of different goods like i'd love to know what the what the things that they're stacking up at the bottom of the of this like formula mm. where they've where there's things that haven't changed in price at all like, are they heavily weighting the McDonald's saver menu in the CPI calculations? <laughs> well, it's not only that, and they and they substitute things as well. So, I mean, that if you know, uh, uh, there was a time when the when the inflation calculation included steak, um, and then they decided that because the price of steak had gone up too much, people would probably substitute to you know, I don't know, tofu or some other damn thing. So they they swap things out. Um, to give a, a lower CPI number. And actually, it's, in, it's entirely possible for um, items in the basket to go up and for that to be counted as a decrease. So, for example, technological items like a smartphone, and the price of your, I, I don't know, uh, your Apple iPhone, you might, might go from $800 to, to $1,600. But they're looking at it and they say, well, now it does this and this and this, and it's got a better camera and, it, and you can do emails from it and, and, and all of these extra things. And therefore, that's actually a decrease in inflation even though the price has gone up. Really? Yeah, I mean, it is it is rigged throughout. Why so even the, if you why go are all these C government calculations always like this? Like, why? Well, because, because nobody ever checks. Um, <laughs> and and, and the, the people that do, like me, you know, really what I should do is, is is because is, is I can play this game. I've, I've got some financial assets, so I, can, I, I, I really should just shut up about it and just let them let them print and, and basically trade my way to a you know bigger house or whatever because I, I i can play this game and that's what most people in the, the financial services do mm. i i just find it so utterly thoroughly morally repugnant plus i'm also looking ahead to sort of my children's generation that i see where this is going to get us and this inflationary option which i actually believe the vast majority of people would choose compared to those other options which are even worse is going to is going to lead to greater and greater wealth disparity. I mean, this whole thing is is thoroughly broken. Mm -hmm. But everybody is still trapped in that mentality. Well, you know, I as, I as long as I change from people with those rosette to those rosette, even though they follow the same processes, they're, they're taking advice from the same people, and and ultimately, you know, ninety nine percent of government policy will remain unchanged. But you know, the two percent of the bit that gets talked about in the media, you know, the the you know. So slight changes to tax rates, slight changes to how the money is allocated. That will occupy people while this system basically grinds itself into the dirt because it's unsustainable. Mm. See, right, this is what I was trying to articulate. I did a, a great podcast with um, Marina Perkis um, two weeks ago. Uh, she's sort of a lefty commentator. Um, really nice woman. Really, I, I watched the most recent one with, ah, with her. So okay, yeah, I've, yeah. I've, I've got an idea. Yeah. So yeah. So she. So we. Yeah. We had quite a lengthy discussion. Like it was primarily based around this idea that like she was like you, we have to vote Labour in because the Tories are hopeless. And I am just like mm. the, neither of these cunts will fix this problem. None of them. They mm. will not even mention it. And and what you've mentioned there about wealth disparity. And something I brought up to uh, this guy, Professor David Edgerton, who um, is a history of science and technology, or professor of science, technology, and history at King's College London. And he, very smart guy, uh, has talked a lot about emerging technology, about uh, the monetary system, about um, just he's a, he's a clued in man. And I, I was like, look, right, the, there's a fantastic book called The Wealth of Nations. Um, or sorry, not the wealth of nations, why nations fail. And it basically um, discusses uh, in it this idea of uh, inequality and how once, once like inequality becomes so, so disparate, like I'm not an equity, let's all have the same communist moron, right? Uh -huh. But there's a point at which like the, the, the 
poorer people in society, which tends to then increasingly become more and more and more and more as like this small portion of people who are holding the assets and like the, the massive swathes of assets become more and more wealthy and the people at the bottom have nothing. And eventually they just turn around and go, well, fuck you. Like, we can't win this game. So let's just fucking flip the table and see what happens, right? And I was like, does, does anyone in politics consider this as a really dangerous thing? And he was just like, oh, people... People don't uh, people don't start revolutions because of this, and I was like, "What? Like, <laughs> is everyone saying that no one else well, seems yeah, to but, think this I mean, is a problem?" We, we, we've we've just had a massive social experiment where we where we sort of said to people, you know, we, we're going to um, we, we're going to bankrupt you, we're going to we're going to stop your businesses, we're going to lock you in your home, and and as long as you can do the messaging tier of it right, you know, you, you can get away with basically anything. Yeah, but people weren't like right. Okay, there was definitely people who were going hungry. Um, I, I've heard some horrible, horrible stories about like small business owners, taxi drivers, people who worked in hospitality, friends of mine as well. Um, but the majority were given enough money mm-hmm. from the government to not have to worry, right? They were mm-hmm. not starving, most people, right? I guarantee there was people who, who, who did. But most people weren't starving. If that happens, right, and we get to a point where like, like 14 million people in Britain are living under the poverty poverty line. Obviously, that's a statistic that gets like the calculation is different, but that's still a horrifyingly high number, right? And the level like well, Britain just, has just change, just change the definitions then. Yeah, well, okay, you know, just so... just just distract people with um, <laughs> with streaming content. I mean, there's a whole number of ways you can do it. Yeah. I, mean, I, I honestly believe that if everybody. Um, understood the financial system that way the way I do. Um, you know, there there would be heads on spikes tomorrow. Um, but as long as you can distract, I mean, you can always give people a reason. You know, you know, don't don't focus on you know the debt and the spending and all these sort of decades long accumulated problems. Um, get into a big argument about Brexit or <laughs> Putin or you know whatever it else. But as as you know, have really vigorous debate on these sort of touch points that don't really you know affect the sort of the the, the structure of the system. You know, I, I remember back in two thousand and eight, there was a a very a very brief window, and it was really only sort of two or three weeks that were the, the beginnings of the Occupy Wall Street thing, where both the left and the right were were looking at the system itself. They were looking at the banking system and saying there was something wrong here. Yeah. Um, and after that, um, you know, very quickly, um, identity politics got um, corporate sponsorship, mm-hmm. and we were pushed back into the same old game of. Um, you know, gender versus gender, race versus race, whatever it is, as long as it's not looking at this this underlying sort of financial system. Mm. So yeah, yeah, I, I I think that they can, I I think they can keep this going. So I'm always reminded actually of this uh, this famous image of um, of you mentioned Wemmer Republic of you know the guy um, wheeling his salary home on a wheelbarrow. Yes, or the kids playing with the blocks of money. And we always look at that guy and we think to ourselves, you know that's that's ridiculous i look at it and i see something else i see a guy who is still pushing the wheelbarrow as ridiculous as that is he still pushes the wheelbarrow because he still believes in the system he still cannot imagine alternative he still thinks to himself yeah i need to get this big wheelbarrow of of of, of deutschmark's home because you know what's my alternative mm. um but do you not think he's just like trying to feed his family in any way possible well, the guy in the photo was quite well dressed, so I, I, I think he was a. I, th- I think he was a boss chap. Well, everyone but, back then was yeah, well dressed. N- n- no, no, yeah, no sweats about. <laughs> but um, you know, you know, pe- people are not prepared to consider the alternative. You know, people are not even prepared to question the basis of the political system that we've got. So the reason we have the political system that we've got, where we sort of elect these representatives and then they go off and they sort of have untrammeled power for years, is because when the system was designed, you voted for your your local guy, and then he literally got on a horse and rode to london and then you didn't you didn't see him for four years and you know then then he would come back on his horse and you you you'd have another election again clearly we are capable of doing something a little bit better it's very i'm not saying that i've got the solution to i'm not saying that I, I i can tell you i can design a new political system for you but what i am saying is that we've we've basically started to reach the end of the road of this political system with a with the way that it operates on those sort of four years elected representative cycles because the the Take Liz Truss. And if she comes in, she, she's behind in the polls on day one. She's got two years to the next election. 
why the hell wouldn't you roll the dice on, on a growth agenda? Mm. And you can even see why she, she went with the tax cuts, but she slow rolled the spending decreases because to, to, to balance the equation because she knew that would be an unpopular part. But, you know, she, she's, just, she's making the right political play but that doesn't Not match the right with political play. Yeah, but like, it, it, to, to, like I don't know. There's a lot of people struggling at the minute with the with the rising cost of everything, and to come in and immediately make your headline thing to give tax breaks to the people who aren't suffering seems like a really fucking stupid move <laughs> to me. I don't know. Um, because like like I don't know. Maybe this is the left wing side of me thinking, but like I I am always of the opinion. That you give people who will go out and spend the money immediately, i.e. most of us, the tax breaks, instead of mm. allowing tax breaks for the people whose wealth has already been monstrously inflated over the past uh, yeah. two, three years mm. because of this this um, yeah money printing. But, 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 but none of that is changing. The, the, the system that rewards the wealthy getting wealthier through the accumulation of financial assets, which respond better to inflation, n none of that is changing. Mm. Even if she didn't give the tax cuts, if Labour came in tomorrow, you know they would increase um, spending. I'm sure they would give more um, the more hands out to I don't know. The, the, I mean, Liz Truss is not short on the handout. She's she's doing the energy price cap, which is actually a yes. far bigger. It's a far bigger bill than any of these 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 tax cuts. Yeah. Um, so, what do you so, think I mean, of that? Because like to me, do you know what it looks like? It looks like looting. It looks like they've taken a bunch of energy companies who have made more money than ever in the past mm. year. They've made, what was it, 170 billion in profits? And they're now price gouging, whilst now that we're going to print a bunch of money, more debt, wonderful, and we're just going to hand it straight to them and go here. And they're not well, even they're reducing the prices. Like, it's still going up, even though the gas prices are falling. Like, what, what do you think... I mean, I, again, there's sort of deeper problems there because, you know, the, these energy companies have been told that, you know, we're transitioning away from, from what you do. Mm -hmm. So they, they have spent the last doing decade. any transition. This is yeah. the stupidest bit. We haven't, like, yeah. you see if we'd invest yeah, because in, the technology isn't there. Yeah, well, I mean, but the, the, to, the, to the deal with is, the entire economy, yeah, it's not there. So, so, so renewables are, are perfectly fine. You know when the sun is shining and the, and the wind is and the wind is blowing, and if you want to, you know, basically get through a night, or you know, ideally at some point in winter, you need increases in battery technology, and that battery technology simply doesn't exist. So I'm not against solar at all. I think it's it's. But I mean, if you've got a factory, and your your operational hours are are daylight hours, um, it's a simple return on investment calculation to see. Okay, I need to put these many solar panels on my roof, and this will lower my energy bill by by this blah blah blah. You know. In point solutions, I, I quite like it. And having a mix of it, because we do use more energy during the day, yeah, perfectly sensible. You know, the, the problem is is that we we just don't have the battery technology to store any of this energy mm. overnight. We are for some reason afraid of nuclear technology because we think that it's going to blow up and Godzilla's going to kill us all or, or whatever the hell the, the argument is there. So, we, you know, we, we've decided to go basically all in on, um, well, basically sort of Russian energy. Um, and then once we once we've made that, we, we put all our chips on the table on saying, you know, that Russia is going to be the marginal supplier of energy. Well, then we sanction them. So, 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 so the problem is there, there just simply isn't enough energy. Um, and these energy companies that you talked about, they, they've been playing defensively for the last 10 years because they've been told that they're no longer the future. So they haven't been investing in additional energy supplies. Mm. So, I mean, again, you go, you go back to Nick Clegg in 2010 saying, that why the hell would we build a nuclear power plant? It won't be ready until 2020. You know, he was just baffled by the by the very concept of doing that. And this is the thing, the, the, the timescale of politics doesn't match up. Um, if, and it's like what I said about the, the, the currency. In the, in the long term, you need to build out the, the physics problem. You need to increase supply. You need to increase production. You need to increase energy and all of those things. And, and it's very easy to point the finger, you know, where we are now. But what, what I'm sort of continually doing is, is say, you look back and look at the, 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 the environment in which these decisions were made. You know, we, we have been structurally on the wrong direction for decades, and that's catching up now. And it's very easy to say, OK, well, you know, we're going to be upset with the people who happen to be in charge and, and everyone's going to do this. And then they're going to change the person in charge. Hmm. And then they're going to find that that actually doesn't make any difference anyway. So then they're going to change it again. And if you if you've got a left wing government and you're naturally left wing, you're going to think, well, we just need to change the leader. 
um, which is the, basically the same thing that, that the right has been doing for the because they've been in power for the last twenty years, and they think, okay, well, you know, we've got the right wing government, so it can't be that can't be the problem. It must be the leader. So let's keep shuffling leader until we find. No, it's it's not going to work. Whichever way, it's not going to work. You need you need to address the underlying system, and I think ultimately it's all going to come back to you know the incentives, and the incentives are struck. Uh, basically uh, formatted by the by the monetary system that we have and the, the financialized system that we have and the fact that we have this sort of debt-based inflationary debt system and i think ultimately it's all going to come down to that but because people cannot imagine alternative and because people are not willing to take the horrific short-term pain of making a break with that yes. we always come back to we're going to get more printing which will result in a larger financial services sector and a larger government because effectively the money is created at the nexus between the financial system and government. So those things will increase. People with financial assets and big houses, they will get richer and the people who earn the wages will get poorer. But like I say, even if you ask those those wage earners, um, you know, we can fundamentally fix the system by doing these things. They would still vote for the inflation option because it's the least worst one. Mm, yeah, that's and, and and effectively, I I think what we have to get to is is this system has to grind ever deeper into the dirt over the twenties until it becomes so utterly broken and so utterly unviable that people are willing to consider alternatives, and hopefully an alternative will emerge. I would like to think that that alternative could be Bitcoin in in ten years' time. It could be ready for mainstream. It's probably not there now. We probably don't have an alternative at the moment. A lot of a lot of people think gold, but if if you want, we can get into why I don't think that will work. But I don't think it's going to be that. So you know, I I see no other option than 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 a really painful grinding twenties um, in, until people are willing to think the unthinkable and and hopefully you know something comes along. Yeah, and I, I mean the 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 problem with the the, the issue being. That when you get to that point of crisis, I would argue for the last 40 to 50 years, almost every single time that these crisis moments emerge, not just financially or economically, but just crisis moments have emerged, they have been used in order to further the, mm. the goals of people with this agenda, essentially. Yeah. Like the globalist, fiat printing neoliberal i don't know whatever the fuck you want to call it mm. like just this mm. this this seemingly reigning supreme ideology that o occupies the minds of almost anyone in any position of power and i concern i am concerned like you mentioned the cbdc's earlier and i'm like there i'm beyond terrified that that mm. is exactly where we are going and even faster than 2030 because China have been trialing it for two years now. I was mm. talking to a guy called Matt Agorist recently from the Free Thought Project. And he was telling me that they've been trialing it in China for two fucking years. The tech is there. That's the scary bit. Like, it's yeah. literally there. And the worst bit is that basically no one outside of, like, the bubble of people that we talk to about this has any idea that it's even coming. Like, they don't even know what a fucking CBDC is. Like, let alone, like, how fucking horrifying it is. But um... so 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 that's what upset me so much about two thousand eight because you know as as we talked about my uh, political instincts are more on the right. I'm actually very um, comfortable with you know a, a fairly brutal form of of capitalism because you know our, our natural condition is rooting around with sticks in the dirt. <laughs> um, you know the only reason why we we live in such unimaginable comfort that we do is because we have brutally tested what is the most efficient way to extract resources from th from from whatever amount of you know resources that we have and those who have found a more efficient way have been um, extremely well rewarded for it and become rich and that provides an incentive structure but the the flip side of that incentive structure is if you bet too large on something and you screw it up you get wiped out mm. and the problem in 2008 it was was people were placing these ever increasing bets on well whatever whatever it was and and when the time came to pay the bill, because it turned out that they had made a mistake, you know, the the problem got kicked upstairs to the sovereign level, and you sort of had these bailouts. And basically, what we know now is that the so I mean, you you mentioned ideology. I'm I I don't actually think it's ideology. I think I think for these people, ideology is essentially irrelevant. I think what matters to them is their own wealth and power. Mm. And they will adopt whatever ideology is is necessary to keep that wealth and power. Now, the, the paradigm for the last sort of 20, 30 years has been capitalism. 
Um, but I think that what we've got now is, is capitalism has, has been sort of perverted to the point of effectively communism, mm. which is, you know, the state basically decides the winners. You know, you you can, um, uh, you know, if, if you're a large firm, you can place these bets. And if you get it wrong, then, then we'd be there to bail you out. So it's heads you wins, tails you don't lose. Yeah. Yeah. Now, when you come onto the onto the on the stuff like the Great Reset stuff, so the digital IDs and the central bank digital currencies, um, yeah, I think that is going to be the next. That is going to be the sort of the twenty twenty eight version of two thousand and eight, mm. which is to make sure that the people who made these mistakes don't lose. Okay. Now, you know, um, some people on on the sphere that I'm more identified with the dissident right, they think that what these people are trying to do is crash the system in order to um, seize control of it all. It's not just the people on the right that think that. Okay, well, <laughs> I don't actually think that's what's happening. Okay. I think that the people who are in charge are perfectly happy with the system now because they are currently wealthy and powerful, but they see that this financial system that we have now is a house of cards and it could collapse at any time. And they're worried that on the other side of that collapse, they will no longer be wealthy and powerful. Mm. And so they're thinking ahead and they're thinking, if we get to that point, what tools do we need in order to retain our wealth and power? And those are increasingly authoritarian mechanisms such as the digital IDs and the central bank digital currencies. So I don't think they're looking to deliberately crash the system because they're perfectly happy now because they have all the wealth and power. It, what, those, what those mechanisms are doing is ensures that they remain wealthy and powerful on the other side of the collapse that they see could well happen because it's this big house of cards. Mm. And, and, and that's why, you know, I mean, it, 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 every big proposal now is, is about finding ways to control us more. Yes. And ever greater, ever greater techniques. Yeah. Yeah. Which is really disturbing. Really, really, really disturbing. Yeah. And the most disturbing part about it, and this, this, this just gets me beyond belief. I can't believe that there is, there is a portion of the country, many of whom are on the left, who were so unbelievably fine with the lockdowns and yet continue to this day. Actually, I'll call you out. Femi, you can't. Like, like just, oh, maybe that's, I a, don't bit know that is, maybe okay. that's a bit harsh. He was uh, our future, our choice, um, anti-Brexit campaigner, like a pro-second referendum dude, who used to have a lot of like reasonable points about how the, the MPs that were taking us out of Europe didn't understand the thing that they were trying to take us out of. Whether they were ultimately correct is a completely different thing. Mm. But uh, he made some good points about how, you know, you'd expect the people who are, you know, proposing this to understand the thing that they were removing us from, right? And he made a, got a lot got a lot of um, traction online with viral videos trying to get, like, MPs to explain the EU and be like, do you understand the single market? And they can't because it's a complex thing. And mm. anyway, he loves to call this government fascist loves it they're fascists they're like they are literally hitler and yet they have zero issue they had zero issue with the 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 potential for the vaccine passports the lockdowns the removal of um like freedoms of speech online when it's about something that they disagree when when uh, when it's about something they think is wrong they're fine with it right and when they when it's something that they yeah. care about all of a sudden free speech is really important it's like yeah i, I don't think i don't think there is much or if, if any ideology in there ideology is a post-hoc rationalization what, mm. what it is it's tribalism it's it's it, this is my tribe and this is what we want and this gives us power and, and all of that rationale is just it's just your conscious brain trying to catch up with your um your, your limbic system you know you're you're really you're motivated by by fear and greed and other sort of base emotions this drives your behavior you know what's best for me what's best for my group um and and then you basically build a sort of a, a, a frontal cortex model that puts that together all afterwards but it, it is ultimately you know all, all wealth and power with these guys um yeah so i mean but these people aren't yeah, wealthy. The, 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 lots of the people who are fine with it aren't wealthy or powerful. Mm. That's the thing that scares me. It's like you're calling them fascists, but you're yeah. fine with them being fascists. Like that's that's the. It's but, like, but the, okay. the same thing is the same thing is going to happen to get us a central bank digital currency. Yeah, that's what so concerns they, they, me. They they got us through the lockdowns by 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 controlling the narrative that saying that effectively you were um, a morally impure person if you if you didn't believe in lockdown. I mean, lockdowns were an illusion anyway. And, you know, the, the the vast majority of people continued to go to work and do their thing. It's just the people who speak for a living. Mm. Um, the the lack 
the laptop class. You know, people like us, effectively, we we yeah, got I to can't stay. Yeah, really clear so, until like looked yeah. either so than it, I am. It, it looked it looked to us like there was a lockdown happening, and when we couldn't go to restaurants so much. But actually, you know, the working working class people they they carried on mixing and interacting and, and and doing all of those things they just had to wear a stupid unnecessary mask to to, to go along with the, the whole the whole theater of the thing but they control the narrative okay so what's going to happen when we come to the point where they're ready to roll out the central bank digital currency it's going to be you can't afford anything you know the government loves you and we're going to help you and we're going to give you money so if you sign up for one of these central bank digital currencies we will pay um 300 pounds a month or, or 600 whatever it is a thousand pounds a month in, into your account you're the second person to tell me that this is going to happen in yeah. like two weeks. Yeah, and 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 then ev- everybody's going to go for it, and I can guarantee you that your your friends and neighbours who haven't really been keen to keep up on this, yes. as soon as it gets to the news, they're going to be looking at you and saying, "You heartless bastard! Why wouldn't you want a central bank digital currency? This is to help people." Mm-hmm. It's the same as the, so. You asked me earlier, what, what did I think of the energy crisis thing? Yeah, I, th- I think they're going to pay your energy bill at the expense of your food bill mm-hmm. because more money will need to be created um so the denominator goes up so everything else gets divided by why well, the, the denominator is divided by the amount of stuff so if you if you pay for my energy bill this winter you know i'll, I'll be paying for it with the extra cost of my food bill and my and you know my my mortgage everything everything else will go up if you give me free money now so when we get to the central bank digital currency thing the point you know that they they will construct a narrative, and and actually it's a narrative that will will sound um, good given given the things oh, yeah. that I've talked about. Which is in the past, whenever we've had to do, do bailouts, we've had to introduce it from the top down level, and it's captured by you know financial services effectively. With a central bank digital currency, we can do it from the bottom up. You know, we we can pay this money into your account, and it's going to look really good. Well, they won't tell you, of course, is they will be doing other money creation things all over the place. So, so you know, don't worry. The the the, the elites and the and the wealthy and the powerful, they're they're still going to get way more money than you're going to get. Um, and actually, you saw this in with the um with the stimulus bill in the US over over the lockdowns. It was you know however many billions that package was, um, and then I think the Americans what did they get? Was it twelve hundred dollar check or something like that? Um, and it was a tiny, tiny slither of the total thing. So yeah, when when central banks digital currencies come, all of your normie friends are going to be thinking that you're evil if you don't want them. Uh, thankfully, I don't have that. Yeah. I don't have that many friends that are like that. Most of them, most of them are are aware that I'm crazy, uh, or uh, yeah. are in the same boat, or are crazier. Um, mm. So, <laughs> yeah. Uh, yeah, like to to try and end on a slightly more positive note. Given that you were worked in investment in emergent technology, and you said that theoretically some massive leap forward in technology could be something that could, you know, help us manage the growth that we would require in order to grow our way out of this debt. Mm. Should we be investing massive amounts of, of money in emergent technology as like a, a Hail Mary pass? Be like, right, okay, we got one shot at this. Someone needs to invent something that blows the world. <laughs> Yeah, you, that, that, that's not the sort of thing you can organise from the state level. You can't, you can't pick winners. I mean, that, that will come out of the blue. And oh, it will I, don't look... know. I don't know if you yeah. can say that. There's a lot of tech that's come out of state investment. Like a lot of things. Like uh, GPS, radar. Um, like government was involved in massively expanding the, electri- like the electricity and phone lines um, that, that provided like massive amounts of economic growth. So I don't know if you can say it's definitely can't, can't, well. So, can't so the bit where I, th- I think where the bit the, the state should focus is is on those large infrascale uh, infrastructure projects. So certainly they want to get the energy situation sorted out, which uh, at this current time it sort of has to be fracking and nuclear or or, or making peace with Putin. I mean, you know, p- pick one, but you, you're not you're not well, or, or, or all of them, uh, but you're not going to do it with with renewables yet, not unless there's a leap forward in battery technology. So that so energy technology, um, battery technology, that is going to improve, and 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 in the next ten years it, it could be viable to run a significantly higher proportion of our of, of our grid with this um but yeah so i am i am optimistic because there is there is um, strong technological progress coming through on a whole different range of things the problem is the politicians are sort of they, they want it all right now and, and they try and manipulate the system rather than letting sort of winners naturally emerge now am i optimistic about the future i i think what we're going to do and okay so the re the reason why i haven't gone back into you know, doing a doing a normie job, but the reason why I'm sort of wasting my time doing stuff and podcasts and, and speaking is because I'm I'm so concerned that as we go through this period of disruption, 
something is going to come on the other side of it. And if we don't understand why we got into this mess, because the government is the, the, the elites, they're going to construct a narrative as to why everything is going wrong. Mm, they're good at that. Now, yeah. And now, uh, you know, before it was because, you know, oh, there, there was a virus and, you know, bad people are trying to kill your grandma because they're, they're, they're trying to, you know, open their, their local shop. Or, or whatever it is you know the current one is um you know all, all of the problems we're facing with 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 energy and inflation is is putin's fault yes. now i'm not saying that putin is a nice guy but to blame him for all of our problems it's 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 ridiculous but there will always be a scapegoat as we go along so the reason why i'm so motivated to sort of do all this kind of stuff at the moment is because i want us to go into the period of, of transition with the right set of assumptions as to how we got there and there is basically two possible futures out of that you know one is that we design a, a, a new I, I think the whole thing is going to change the financial system and the political system needs needs to be renewed and if we if we come into that with the right assumptions and we make the right choices and we let the right systems emerge there is a genuinely bright future for my children in the 40s and 50s hmm. if we let the people who currently control the narrative get to explain why these things are going wrong and their answer is obviously not going to be their own greed it's going to be you know it's, it's going to be pick pick whatever scapegoat and we end up going down the route of you know your uh, every political opinion you have is tightly controlled by your digital id which is linked to your um, internet connection and you're not allowed to have a youtube account or twitter account or any other account without linking it to your digital id so they get a constant feed of what it is that you believe at all times and then an algorithm can pass that and assign you a, 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 a you know whether they do it overtly with a with a chinese do with their, their social credit score they will do that covertly even if they don't do a sort of overt version of that link it with the central bank digital currencies that you must spend your money on these things and you must not spend your money on these things um and we're going to sort of you know apply we'll basically squeeze as much tax as we possibly can out of you and all of that that is basically sort of digital slavery from that point on so yeah. you know wh which of those two routes we go down i don't know and, and i often sort of flip you know it's 60 40 one way or the other way I'm reminded that actually these they, these people that they are sat on the top of a house of cards. There's not many of them, and they're very close close to losing control of this system as it is. But on the other side, I see that the vast majority of people who get all of their opinions by watching TV can be incredibly easily led. And I'm deeply concerned that unless there is more waking up that goes on, we will end up going down that dark sort of digital slavery route. So. It's optimism, but it's heavily tempered that, you know, we, we could go down the wrong branch. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, we're in a very, 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 very precarious position. And I am very curious to see how we, uh, how we deal with it. So, um, yeah, I guess we'll, we'll see what happens in the coming months. I wish I had more optimism than that, years. but yeah. Yeah, but, but you know the, the main message is don't get too caught up in in the party politics or whatever the news cycle is. There are always bigger issues that are that are driving this, um, and and most of those are the sort of the systems and the incentive structures that we have. And to your point earlier about flipping the board, you know it's it's like we've been playing a monopoly game where somebody has now got all of the hotels, and you're not allowed to end the game. Um, you know. The, the next few years are going to be very interesting because you know how, how long can they keep us playing a game that we've already lost well i don't know buy and hold gamestop drs and uh, that will solve all your problems <laughs> that's that's the best advice i can give to people because <laughs> i'm not even convinced that bitcoin is definitely the the, the crypto that, that fixes it i mean i think it's the most likely candidate yeah but I don't know because there's people pointing out flaws in it. That so, I, so I, I, I don't think it's a sure thing either. I just think it is the it is the best option that we have by far. Yeah, yeah. Well, it depends which one you mean. Is it BTC, BCH, or BSV? Um, yeah, BTC. Yeah. Yeah. Well, oh, Craig, Craig, Doctor Craig, would have something to say about that. Uh, he was he was quite convincing actually when I spoke to him about why Bitcoin is is not the the panacea that we think. Um, he basically pointed out a lot about the um, just its upper limit for transactions. Essentially, he wants like B he's trying to build BSV so it can handle like ten billion transactions a second because he says there's no way you can re replace the global monetary system with a currency that is not capable of doing that. 
Okay. Um, well, so that's the, but I, obviously the Lightning yeah. Network, and there's yeah. many layers to be built. Yeah, on that, top that'll of be it. my answer to that. Yeah. Yeah. So I mean, yeah, I just I I think that probably that's the the case, but um, yeah, we'll see what happens. But anyway, man, um, I have to go back to work. <laughs> so I well, want to thank you for your time. You. Yeah, it was a it was a pleasure. Uh, do you want to point um, people towards like stuff, your channel and and whatnot here? Um, yeah, I mean, I got I got a Twitter profile which is King Bingo underscore. It's a completely stupid name, but um, I I joined Twitter twelve years ago, and I didn't think the website was going to be around for longer than six months, so I picked <laughs> a deliberately stupid name just to sort of spite it, and I didn't, didn't realise it was going to stick around. Um, and I got a channel which is the Distant Factor, but it's absolutely rubbish because um, I, I I've I've yet to learn my skill in terms of uh, of production. So probably best you stick to the Twitter then, and I will relaunch the YouTube channel in some time once I can figure out how to do the uh, the whole setup thing. So. Uh, yeah thanks no problem thanks very much pleasure thanks for making it all the way to the end of the video don't forget to like share subscribe and leave a comment for us in the comments below let me know what you thought and if you'd like to see more of this from the show thank you and we'll see you again next time